and it is now time to get into the second half of autism. What it is and how to write it. I'm also really hopeful that my audio input and output are going to be alright because I recently dropped a ton of water on my laptop. So the output from watching videos and such I know is terrible, but I'm hoping the input is still somewhat decent, like mostly decent because my laptop's my only form of recording other than my phone and I don't trust my phone to pick up that high quality of audio. So just to recap, these episodes for delving into these episodes for delving into autism are separated into two parts with five sections each, totaling ten sections of information. These sections are one, what is autism, two, how the medium views autism then versus now, three, causes for autism, four, issues due to autism, five, social life in autism, six, hyperfixations in autism, seven, the ups and downs of autism, eight, autism then versus now, nine, why so many people get diagnosis nowadays compared to back then, and ten, how to form a character with autism without it being problematic to most people. We've already gone through one to five, so this week's episode will be on six through ten. Starting off with section six, hyperfixations and autism. Have you guys ever heard of that kid that just couldn't stop hacking because they were too damn autistic? To be honest, I couldn't find exactly what I was looking for when I was searching it up, nor do I remember exactly where I heard it from, but I have reason to believe it is true. But even then, similar situations have occurred, one of which I will still include as a source in the description. But basically, to go into the story that I remember, it is that there was a young boy who was constantly hacking major companies, which led them to strengthening their security systems, and he still hacked through those. His parents tried taking away his devices, but he still managed to find ways to hack because he just couldn't stop. Eventually, he was caught, but they couldn't put him in jail slash prison because he was just too autistic. Nobody knows where he is currently, but I've heard some speculation when I first heard that story that he was likely brought on by the CIA due to his abilities. Now, despite what some may believe, no, a majority of skills that people have are not there when they're born. Granted, they may have an easier time with advancing those skills, but nobody comes out of their mother able to completely break through several layers of security systems, even people with autism. So, um, but just keep that in mind when you need to do things around your house that require professional. Actually, no. Let's stick on that example for on the example of the hacker for a moment. Which would you trust more when it comes to coding? Someone who studied it because their parents forced them, or perhaps they're just in it for the money, or a literal kid with autism that can't do anything else other than code. All right, now let's move on to other examples. Who would you trust to set up wiring and electricity in your home? Who would you trust to cook you a mass array of dishes? Who would you trust to clean your home to the point that it is truly spotless? Would you trust a tired electrician that just follows a book and may have several mess-ups under their belt? 
Would you trust a cook that only ever follows recipes and doesn't try to branch out and test out the chemistry of cooking themselves? Would you trust a regular old maid? Or would you trust an autistic person who has been hyperfixated on electricity and how wires work their entire life? Or would you trust an autistic person that chooses to mess around and figure out new and delicious dishes and flavors and would love to share them? Or would you trust an autistic person who literally cannot sit still until their entire, entire area is, clean, is deep cleaned, organized, and spotless? An, an autistic person hyperfixates on just a few things for the entirety of their lives when they first hear about them. And, if given the correct resources, often know the same amount as a university student by the time they start high school, maybe even sooner. For those who don't quite understand just yet, hyperfixation is a focus on a single skill or activity that is so intense that everything else is just tuned out and tends to cause them to fall behind in other subjects in school, but be the top in one or two of them. For instance, my hyperfixations are writing and cooking. I was getting straight A's in those classes and was always looking to improve, as well as working hard on being willing to finally accept criticism. I was really good at music as well, but I was horrible at music theory, so I'm choosing to avoid that. But classes like math, science, gym, graphic design, those are all the classes I really greatly struggled in. Granted, the gym one is because they forced us to do all the same things instead of taking into account our differences, which is fair. There are 30 plus kids in a gym class with only one teacher, so there's no way in hell we're getting we're each getting special treatment. But even then, I wasn't doing the best. Don't get me wrong, I still gain A's in gym and graphic design, but those are easy A's. You legit can't fail them unless you never show up. Anyway, my point is, I've hyperfixated on just writing and cooking so much without realizing it that now, yes, I am extremely talented and at this point above average in those fields, but it also caused me to be behind in other areas of life, which I honestly see no issue in. Writing and cooking are my passions. I love trying out new seasonings and testing out and trying to create a new brand, a brand new dish with flavors that melt in your mouth. I love using spices in a way that even people with no spice tolerance can also enjoy them. I love creating worlds through my writing. I love blending my words together to the point where the scenery flows through your mind like a soft classical piece. I love attempting to describe scenery around me to the point where even a blind person can see it. I love learning new words and using them in my writing. I love it all. It is my passion, and a quadratic formula isn't going to stop me from doing all that. I hated my 11th grade math class, my teacher was a jerk and a creep, and refused to not be the center of attention for even a second. Oh, whoops. Uh, sorry, got a little personal there. Anyway, hyperfixations in autism means that that person can be extremely talented and above average in that subject, but it can also lead to them being below average in many other places. Section 7. The Ups and Downs of Autism Of course, having a devel developmental disability, it will have its ups and downs, many of which were previously named, such as struggling with socialization, sensory issues, misconceptions, as well as being extremely skilled in a few subjects, speaking your mind, and having a valid reason to eat the same food every day. You know what? Let's get into a little story. 
As most of you know, as ter- as most of you don't know, actually, I was terrible with my English and grammar growing up and still oftentimes mess up my pronunciations with three, three, free, and three, as you just saw, heard, due to my buck teeth. And I'm pretty sure that was the primary reason my school put me in this little language learning program. Basically, between third and fifth grade, I was taking a class along with a few other students and we were taught about grammar, vowels, A-E-I-O-U, and sometimes Y and W and what letters and cabos make what sounds. And sometimes, if we were really good, we'd be taken to the beach or be allowed to take the day to watch movies. Shocking, the published author by 16 struggled with letters at 11. I know. And one day, we were told to bring in one of our favorite books. Now, all the other members of the group, being all boys, brought in books like Captain Underpants, Harry Potter, and so on. But guess fucking what I brought in. Now for context, I first read this book back in like first grade, and my school decided to give it away for free because it was old and outdated. There's your little hint. So I jumped at the chance to be able to own this book all to myself. Now keep in mind, I didn't know what the title meant, nor did I understand a majority of the words inside. I just felt confident because I read and owned a non-fiction book. Now, are you all ready to hear what that book was? Confederation by Michael Bliss. I was like six or seven when I first read it, and even when I reread it when I was like nine or ten, I still didn't understand a thing it said, but I was happy I understood more than what I had previous more than when I had previously read it. Anyway, the point is. Even people with autism are able to grow and improve. It just takes a little to a lot of extra work for them. And even with the help I received, I still can't spell necessarily or quesadilla without autocorrect helping me. Section 8. Autism Then Versus Now Now this section is going to be very informative and interesting. I left the sources for it in the, in the little document in the description that you guys will be able to see. They are from Spectrum and Very Well Health. Very interesting sources. I highly recommend you guys read up on them on your own time. Amazing. But this is basically just a summary of the research I did. So, Section A Autism Then versus Now. As I had mentioned in part one with the term Asperger's, autism has faced quite a, fi quite a few changes throughout the decades. The two most notable being the criteria to be autistic and the terms used themselves. To start off, the criteria. Years ago, autism was seen as childhood schizophrenia due to cold parenting. Pretty severe, huh? Then, later on, it was seen as a set of related developmental disorders. And now, it is finally seen as a spectrum with a range of different impairments and degrees. For more information on that, I highly recommend you check out my source linked in the linked to Spectrum. It's in the description, once again, just want to remind you guys. It's pretty damn interesting. But yeah, basically autism was seen as schizophrenia because autistic people require sameness and are seen as extremely alone. And by blaming it on cold parenting, they actually blamed it solely on the mother, whom Bruno, Bruno Bettelheim 
dubbed refrigerator mothers, mothers because they were cold and emotionless. So yeah, a child's autism is definitely the mother's fault. But thankfully, 10 years later, that was debunked and autism was then seen as a, as a pervasive developmental disorder. Here's the criteria for the DSM-3 as DSM-3 autism diagnosis. One, a lack of interest in people. Two, severe impairments in communication and bizarre responses to the environment. Three, all development, all, all developing in the first 30 months of life. That criteria lasted about seven years before the DSM-3 was reviewed, and they slowly introduced the concept of the spectrum while also completely dropping the onset before 30 months requirement. Then the DSM-4 had, had a total of 16 criterias, eight being needed to be diagnosed, which was released in 1994. This is where Asperger's was this was where Asperger's was introduced along with childhood disintegrative disorder, Rett syndrome and PDD NOS, which means pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified. Then the DSM-5 was introduced, which was partly due to a ton of people getting autism diagnoses out of nowhere, which was collected up to be up to be parents lobbying for their children to get a specific diagnosis or they were influenced by services in their area. So this is when they were intro they introduced the autism spectrum disorder where they added a few more bits of criteria but removed Asperger's syndrome, PDD, NOS, classic autism, Rett syndrome, and childhood disintegrative disorder. Whew either altogether or just from the autism category, respectively. So basically, the DSM-4 and DSM-5 are just completely different in terms of autism now, with the only similarity being the criteria. The DSM-5 was released in 2013. The DSM-5 ended up sparking up a lot of controversy, though, especially with those who are diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, since having their diagnosis removed means that their insurance will stop covering them, and it also means that they no longer have the sense of belonging that they had previously. Basically, with it being removed from the DSM-5, a lot of people felt as though they lost part of their identity. And even with the removal of all those different titles and disorders, they also excluded a large, lot of large portions of the population those being girls, elders, and people with milder traits. Which is why a lot of people hear about one of the requirements for an autism diagnosis is to be a little boy. However, that is not the end of hope as we know it. There's also something called the ICD-11, or International Classification of Diseases, which was released in 2022, due to the DSM-5 not looking as though there will be any review anytime soon. It has a lot of the same criteria as the DSM-5, however, it was designed in a way where it can also be used by a variety of different cultures instead of the dsm 5 strict North American ways, henceforth international. It's also designed to keep in mind that people mask their symptoms, making it less of a struggle for women and elderly people to get a diagnosis. 
Now, I know that's a lot of information taken all at once. So let's just take a step back, take a deep breath from the DSM-5 and move on to Nazis. The second reason that the authors of the DSM-5 wanted to remove Asperger's entirely is because of a Nazi named Hans Asperger, who helped murder children with disabilities under the Third Reich. Or Reich, I don't know how to pronounce that. And so they decided it's best to distance themselves from that. So if you ever hear people arguing about why Asperger's is seen as invalid, hell, some would even say it should never be uttered then you'll know the real reasons why. It's because they didn't, they didn't want Asperger's to be seen as separately from autism and also because it's linked to a Nazi. Section nine, why so many people get diagnosis nowadays compared to back then? Basically, as you saw from the last section, the DSM used to be very compact, kind of like a be all end all that from its origin required you to be under 30 months old. Then later on, with it being a spectrum, more people are able to identify with it. And sure, the number of autistic people, people entirely may have not grown throughout the generations, but the amount of people who are, were able to get properly diagnosed did. And yes, there are still misdiagnoses out there where doctors tell someone they have anxiety or autism when in reality they have a very dangerous disease that the doctor sees no point in checking on. Like all those stories from people who were told they have anxiety when in reality they had cancer. So basically to sum it up, more people are able to get diagnosed now because more research has gone into autism as a whole and hence more criteria pops up linking to autism which leads to more people falling within the spectrum. And finally, section 10, how to form a character with autism without it being problematic to most people. Now, obviously the reason why I say most is because everyone will find something to be upset about, especially if you post literally anything on Instagram or Twitter slash X. So basically when you take a character of autism, when you make a character with autism, they need to be accurate not possess any harmful stereotypes and have some sort of underlying positive quality to them that makes them likable. So to do that, I'd recommend researching a few of the qualifications for an autism diagnosis, what they mean and how they affect day-to-day -day life, and then instill that into your character. The main reason why most people get upset about people writing characters with autism, depression, PTSD, etc. is because they fall back on harmful stereotypes and tend to be the same from character to character. And it's also because people are sh seeing that only their experiences are valid, so the experiences of a character is completely wrong, so they get upset about that. You can't do anything about that. But basically, they're seen as unoriginal. So in order to avoid pissing people off, I'd say just do your research. I did a lot of it for you guys in these two parts. And don't be afraid to ask questions in order to gain the experiences and understanding of other people who have autism. And well, that'll be all for this week's episode. I'm glad it's much shorter than part one because both of these parts had a fuck ton of research put into them. And after the initial excitement, my enjoyment to do research quickly dissipates. So I'll be moving on now. 
I'd also like to let you all know that I will be publishing my 2023 collection of short stories on February 1st on Amazon and then March 1st everywhere else. So be sure to keep an ear out for further updates. Check out my novels on Amazon and Kobo, link in description. Check out Creative Writing Club Premium on Patreon and Spotify, link in description. Check out Quill and Scroll Stash in the description. Check out the Creative Writing Club Discord server in the description. Check out my personal Instagram at dark underscore night underscore wolves. And finally, these two parts of heavy levels of research is finally at their end.